Hey guys, welcome back to the Fort Podcast. My name is Chris Powers and I wanna thank you for joining me today. This show is an open-ended discussion and journey covering real estate, business, entrepreneurship, and investing. I would love to hear from you by tweeting me at Fort Worth Chris on Twitter. And if you've enjoyed this show, I would be super grateful if you would follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever platform you listen to. And if on Apple, it would mean a lot if you'd leave a rating and review. Last but not least, you can find all these episodes on YouTube. Thank you so much again for joining me and enjoy the show. This episode is brought to you by Fort Capital. Are you a commercial real estate investment broker or anyone out there with an off-market class B industrial deal between 15 and $100 million? Fort Capital offers industry-leading incentives, including a bonus, the ability to co-invest, and exclusive partnerships for those that close deals with us. Join Fort Capital's deal incentive program today to be eligible for these incentives and more by going to www.fortcapitallp.com backslash connect. For anyone that tried buying a car over the last couple of years, it was not an easy thing to do. I just got a car uh, and had one of the best experiences I've ever had with Frank Kent Cadillac here in Fort Worth, Texas. When you think of Fort Worth businesses, it's hard to not think of Frank Kent Cadillac. Well, that's because they've been around for 87 years. And with history like that, they know a thing or two about how to treat their clients. Like no dealer markups over MSRP. The price on the sticker is the price you pay. So when you're in the market for a new vehicle, check them out. New inventory is arriving daily from the XT4, 5, and 6 to the CT4 and 5 Black Wings with CPO rates. There is always something in store at fkcadillac.com. That's fkcadillac.com. Frank Kent Cadillac, community-driven, locally different since 1935. Hey guys, it's Chris. Welcome back to the Fort Podcast. I'm going to talk a little bit today about Class B Industrial why we like it, how we got into it. You know, I've been vocal about it, but I think, you know, I continued to, I spend hundreds of hours thinking about this asset class and trying to poke holes in it. And obviously our team is investing heavily in it. I'm invested heavily in it. And so I'm just going to talk a little bit today about what's been on my mind regarding Class B Industrial, why I still love it more than ever, and why I'm not seeing many holes in it. If you're listening to this and you have a difference of opinion, we'd love to hear it. Always looking to test our thesis. So Class B Industrial, Shallow Bay Industrial, let's just, again, paint the picture. I joke, these are the buildings that you drive by in a city and you know you don't really pay attention to them. These, are, these buildings are not built to look great. They're built to function great and they provide a huge service to society. And so if you just look at that alone, you have a lot of people that don't want to participate in investing in that. I, I joked on Twitter the other day, there's a lot of divas in real estate, but I'm kind of not joking. I used to be one of them. A lot of people get into real estate because they want to build buildings and own buildings that look really great and are things that people would take a picture in front of or that make you feel good. And there's a room in there's room in society for those. We need them and God bless them. These are not those buildings. And I think so you've already kind of created a scenario where less people are going to be interested, which I think means more opportunity. And so 
one of the reasons why we got into Class B Industrial to begin with is because the earlier part of my career, I was focused on building really great places that would make the cover of magazines, places that people wanted to live. I used to build million dollar spec homes. We used to build the nicest student housing at TCU. Uh, We used to build really fancy townhomes. And I learned a lot from that. But those are very hard. You're constantly having to innovate on what's the newest trend, what's going to look good, what's not going to look good. And so you're just playing a totally different game. One thing about Class B Industrial is you you really don't have to worry about much of that at all. So that's one less thing to worry about or have to be good at. And for someone like me, I'm looking for opportunities where, um, where, where do I not have to be a superstar but still have superstar potential? And so that was Class B Industrial. So these buildings don't look bad, but Again, you're never going to see people people posting pictures of the coolest Class B industrial building they drove by. One thing that has continued on since 2016 that we like to now is you can't rebuild this stuff. There's no new buildings coming. And some people might say, well, there is new stuff coming. I want to, again, clearly distinguish Class A from Class B. Class A are the big buildings that have big tenants that you're seeing the big e-commerce businesses and big manufacturing companies and Amazon and everything else going in. Class B shallow bay are tenants as small as 1,000 feet, you know, 10,000, 20,000, 30,000, 50,000 feet. But these are the older buildings that are built in the middle of town that have been around for 40, 50 years, 30, 40, 50 years, and serve a much different need to society. And so in Texas, I've always said we estimate that the, we're depleting at 2 to 3% a year. And you say, okay, how are we depleting at 2 or 3% a year? The, the buildings that are often getting torn down to build new multifamily hotels, these revitalized districts, they actually all share in common most of the time that they were in old industrial parks. Or the buildings are being repurposed as showrooms, as high-end, you know, creative office, kind of entertainment uses. So maybe they're not being torn down, but they're being repurposed. And what you're not finding in these towns are big 30-acre pieces of land that are cheap, that are priced appropriately, zoned industrial, and have cities that are begging for these kind of smaller bay industrial properties. If those pieces of land exist, they're often priced for a higher and better use. Cities are supporting developments that will have a higher tax base, things of those nature. So I, I sometimes get people say, well, you know, clearly they're building some of this. They are building smaller bay stuff very occasionally, but that's on the outskirts of town in an inferior location. And the amount that's being built is nowhere close to offsetting the amount on the infill that's being taken down. And I think on to my next point, just because something new has been built doesn't mean that it now becomes an option for a lot of tenants that have already existed. A lot of tenants in these buildings, their whole customer base is within one to three miles of where, they're, where they reside. And so for them to move out to the outskirts of town because there's a vacancy available it changes their whole business. That's, of course, not every business, but the majority of businesses don't have the luxury of just moving on the outskirts of town, nor do they share the same advantages if they do that, the same infrastructure, the same amount of businesses close by that maybe they, they do business with. And so it's not apples to apples. 
And lastly, I would say just because a brand new building has been built, a lot of these tenants are not moving into buildings because they're brand new. The real estate's a function of their business. It's not something that they need, you know, a class A space to feel good in. So that's why these buildings, you know, traditionally have been things that, you know, aren't the prettiest things to look at because that's not what they're for. They're there to serve a function of a business. What does function of a business mean? There's probably no greater time in history than COVID that that taught us what function of a business means. In an office space, if you don't want people to work from the office that day, they can take their laptop and they can work from home or they can work from a different office or they can work from a coffee shop, but knowledge workers can still get the work done. In industrial, you can't just close down the space for the day and say, hey, everybody in the warehouse, take a f- take some products home with you and we'll start shipping from your personal garage until we open the space again. The, the, f- the space is needed for the business to function. It's the same like with cold storage. You can't just tell workers, hey, take this frozen food home and put it in your freezer. We're closing the cold storage down for the day. Cold storage is a function of your business. And so when you look at what happened during the pandemic, it really, there was a few things that we couldn't live without. Industrial, housing, I guess we would throw cold storage in there, maybe some retail, but office, hotels, everything proved to kind of be nice to have. Now, not to say they're not important, but when the worst comes to worst, there's only a few pieces of real estate that was still needed day to day to let society function. And that was industrial. Uh, we're in 2022 now, and I still have not seen you know the need to really design these buildings or put lots of capex into them to where the the selling point is how nice they are. Tenants are often very satisfied with a great paint job, uh, striped lots, uh, clean landscaping, but you're not having to go up and up and over and do these crazy designs and all this architecture work to make a building appealing. Why? because the tenants are more interested in how is the biz building functioning rather than how does it look. And they would rather pay for something that functions well, that's close to their customers, that can help them store stuff, that can help them get in and out quickly, that has access to infrastructure and major highway systems and rail systems than, you know, did we paint the coolest mural on our you know side of our industrial building. Let's take a quick break to highlight this episode's sponsor, Juniper Square. If you aren't familiar with Juniper Square, it's an easy to use all-in-one investment management software designed specifically for real estate owners. We have been using it at Fort Capital for several years now, and it has completely revamped the experience we're able to provide our investors through reporting, management, and efficiency. Here's a bit more on how Fort Capital utilizes the platform. Depending on how fast you read, you can look at our deal, approve our deal, sign our deal, and send money for a deal in under 10 minutes, assuming you've already understood what the deal is. Like the frictional cost of how that all moves through our system now is a matter of minutes, and it does not require any human interaction between that unless the investor wants it. We have investors that are in 15 different deals. They can go into their portal online, go to their profile, and everything they could want from every document they've signed to every report we've sent to every distribution we've sent every point of contact with them throughout the life of the investment is documented in one place you can check out episode 37 to listen to my full conversation with brandon or visit cjunipersquare.com for more information that's s-e-e junipersquare.com and now back to the show 
I look at the tenants and I think 2022, I, I started saying America runs through class B industrial. And what I meant by that was it's, we talk a lot about e-commerce, but I want to really focus on the businesses that serve society's most basic needs. So when you think of a growing city, every time thousands of people move to an area, there's there's more need for building products and and services and home services and cleaning and lighting and engineering and all these different things. And so these businesses are what help cities grow. They're the businesses that are providing materials and infrastructure. These are the businesses that are maintaining homes, maintaining local businesses. These are the businesses providing product that that, that serve as society's most basic needs. So I, I made a list of a few types of tenants you might see in our buildings when I'm talking about this. Equipment, building supplies, furniture, auto, movers, air conditioning, signage, cabinets, welding, landscaping, fences, pipe restoration, home staging, cheerleading, and batting cages. We have a few of those. Lighting, fire protection, commercial cleaners, roofing, environmental services, engineers, stainless steel, fabrication, tree trimming, and the list goes on. Those are a lot of the tenants that you find in buildings like this. On top of that, you now have this emergence of the e-commerce tenant and they are beginning to take smaller spaces in buildings like ours. So you already have this very robust base of tenants that are serving society's basic needs. And if I'm poking holes going, I don't see anywhere in sight where these businesses are no longer going to be needed. On top of that, you have a new emergence of the e-commerce tenant that is finding ways to use our buildings, use them wisely because they're continuing to want to get close to the customer on the topic of close to the customer, because of when our buildings were built, they tend to be on the infill of these cities. Infill means in the in the middle of all the infrastructure. So when they were built, it might've been the outskirts of town, but 50 years later, these buildings are close to mature neighborhoods with lots of rooftops, mature highway systems, rail systems, mature areas with lots of retail and office, where, where there's just a, a dense amount of activity and then you have this industrial park. And so, you know, again, you can build these on the outskirts of town, but you don't share the same benefits of where they sit when they're positioned in the middle of town. And so you have this growing tenant demand, and then you have this supply that is stagnant, if not depleting. And so if you just look at the world as supply and demand, or you look at investing as supply and demand, the next thing to get right is, are you paying the right amount? Are you leveraging it properly? Because the fundamental economics and dynamics that set this asset class up are very strong. And, you know, over the long term are looking, it looks to me like we'll get a lot stronger. And some people say, okay, this sounds really simple. What's the catch? And I tell people it is simple and that's the catch. To some people, it's so simple that they can't actually believe it. They think there must be some other trick. And I'm here to say there's really not. You know, again, one thing we like are the predictability of expenses. We know what tenants in these buildings are going to require. These buildings are low cost to maintain. The biggest CapEx items are often the foundation's good, the roof is good, the HVAC systems are good, which are all easy to budget for and predict. 
tenants often have a small office with a warehouse. That office, I joke that the CEO doesn't need a platinum toilet. You often see tile and carpet and paint and good lighting is what's needed. Uh, oftentimes, the TI that we're giving, especially in the market right now, is zero up to a couple dollars a foot. You you contrast that to office and what you're seeing in retail, where tenants are demanding hundreds of dollars worth of TI and lease structures that almost look like the tenant could be an owner in the building. And so you just don't see that in Class B industrial. You know, the other thing I would say, if, depending on how long you hold these, but a lot of these serve as covered land plays. These are large, flat pieces of land in great locations with infrastructure around them. I'm not saying every deal is a covered land play, but in a lot of these opportunities, if you hold these long enough, not only are you getting value on the, the properties that exist today, but the underlying land value in real estate is often getting more valuable over time. And so, you know, it, it, we don't go into any deal with the thesis being this is a land deal, but we've now owned assets for long enough that we're starting to see the emergence that some of the value that might be in our assets, if we hold these another five or 10 years, will purely be in the land. And it's just a matter of time before demand gets to us. I think another thing that I've thought about more recently, and I've pro we've probably taken for granted, you know, when you're dealing with office retail, really large tenants, often, you know, leasing can take a long time. It could take months, if not up to a year, to lease a space. The time it takes to negotiate those leases can take forever and cost a lot of legal dollars. In these smaller base suites, you're often seeing tenants look at the space and sign a lease not too long after. They sometimes are on standardized forms. It's a very easy leasing process. It's very efficient, which again, owning some office and some other types of assets, you realize really quickly that can't be understating how quickly leasing goes and just really how smooth and efficient the process can be. Again, there's value to being someone that can get that huge lease signed. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm just saying in a business where we're dealing with now 1,200 tenants, we're not quite like multifamily, but a lot of times we're leasing where people look and are willing to go to a lease the next day or in the next week. And I think that is tenants in our buildings are often looking to lease for a year, two, three, maybe five years. The much larger tenants we might give longer, but we like that because it gives us an ability to have more leverage over setting rental rates and making sure we're in line with market. You know, these bigger spaces, you sign 10, 15 year leases. And if the market moves and you're stuck in a lease, you can be undervalued quickly. I realize on the opposite side of that, you can also have a 15 year lease that can, you know, save your ass if things go wrong. So it has its, it has its ups and downs. But I think at least the option to have an opportunity every couple of years to look at the lease and see if we're still in market is a huge value add. And, you know, what we've seen that the market wants is more optionality. And so you'll see that often in the term Walt weighted average lease term, which just basically says this is the if you buy a building with 50 tenants and the Walt is one year, it means that the majority of the, the average amount of tenants, you will renegotiate their lease within the first year of ownership. And that allows you to restructure leases, move in tenants move rental rates if necessary. 
And so low WALT is key and Class B Industrial offers that. And it's been a hot topic in the market. So these are just some structural things that I have continued to pay attention to. Again, it's not a prediction on the market or where it's going. It's just saying, what, how is the world working and how, because the world is working that way, how could it impact an asset class that we're investing in? And these are the reasons I continue to be very confident, low supply, high demand, amazing locations, growing cities, easy tenants, predictable expenses, you know, kind of the list goes on. It is a very simple thesis. I don't like to make things complicated. Our team doesn't like to make things complicated. So we're very excited to continue being in this space. And I hope you learned something today about how we think about industrial. Everyone, it's Chris here again. Thank you so much for joining me on this journey. If you enjoyed the show, please follow the show on Apple, Spotify, or subscribe on YouTube. Thanks again, and I'll see you on the next episode. Chris Powers is the founder and chairman of Fort Capital LP. All opinions from Chris and guests of the Fort podcast are solely their own and do not reflect the opinions of Fort Capital LP. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for real estate or investment decisions. The Fort with Chris Powers is produced by Straight Up Podcasts.